Welcome to the podcast, These Present Days, and we're into part two of Crisis Control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for speaking to us concerning the world that we're living in right now and what's going on all around us and the things that we need to understand and navigate it and to come out not just barely making it, but thriving in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, for opening your word up and revealing to us things that we'll need to apply right away. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, to pick it up where we left off, you know, like, the demons cried out when Jesus approached them to get rid of them, to cast them out, to move them out of people. And they said it like this, have you come to torment us before the appointed time? You see, the devil and the demons know what time we're living in right now in 2022. So welcome to the 21st century, everybody. Let's go into John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verses 43 to 45 to 45 to start with. John 8, 43 to 45. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. You could be reading from anything but, um, yeah, verses 43, 44, and 45 um, is where we need to be. Verse 43, why don't you understand what I say? You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. Jesus is speaking right here. Verse 44, you are the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the truth, for he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies. But I am the true prince who speaks nothing but the truth, yet you refuse to believe and you want nothing to do with me. Wow, what an indictment. And we, we're trying to learn about the devil. The devil's our enemy. He's eternally defeated. But we need to understand him because he's not gone. He's still around. He's not gone and he's not inactive. He can still find loopholes and, 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 and ways to get involved in people's lives. And uh, a lot of times, unknowingly, you know, people aren't having a seance and trying to get the devil to come in and possess them. But unknowingly, they open themselves up to him in many different variety of ways. And so we're going to explore some of this stuff. Let's jump over to John chapter 10. In verses 9, 10, and 11 from the Passion Translation again. Jesus says, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy but I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. Okay, we've learned a couple of things right here. Number one, the devil is a liar and a murderer, a manslayer. The devil is the father of lies. The devil is the inspiration of lies. The devil is the origin and source of lies. And so if we're lying... We're working together with him. And so these little 
tidbits, tidbits that I'm going to throw out there from time to time about his character, his nature. He's cunning, more than more cunning than any animal in the field. We read that last time from Genesis chapter 3. He's cunning. He's clever. He's creative. He's an evil genius, in other words. Even though we think he's stupid at times, you know, because he keeps doing the same thing. Well, you know why he keeps doing the same thing? Because it's working. <laughs> you take that away from him, it stops working, he'll start to do something else. Just like Jesus, he resisted the devil three times in the garden, or excuse me, not in the garden, in, in, the, um, in the wilderness for 40 days of fasting. He resisted him three different times, and he came at him three different times with three different approaches, and then he left him for a season to look for another way. Did he ever approach him with those same questions again? Nope. He never did it again. Because Jesus took it away from him, because Jesus rebutted him, and he answered him. And so we need to understand that Satan, the liar, when he brings a lie and he tries to manipulate the situation and you refuse it and you reject it, you resist it, and you cancel it, well, then he's going to have to find some other way. But if you fell for it, if you hesitated, or if you entertained it for a minute or two, he's going to keep doing that. He might move it around a little bit. He might decorate it, dress it up a little bit, but he's going to still be using that because it worked. He got some mileage out of it. So, John 10, verse 9, I am the gateway to enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. The thief or the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. And so there is what Jesus said over in chapter 8. He mentioned in that section of scripture we read right there that he's not only the liar and the source of lies, but he's a murderer or a manslaughterer. And he says that right here, to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. Or to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance. See, Jesus taught his disciples in word and action how to handle the devil, Satan. The wisdom of natural logic, the wisdom of natural logic, I'm going to say that one more time, the wisdom of natural logic is evil, sensual, and demonic. It says that in James chapter 3. Would you turn there with me? James chapter 3 in the Bible. James chapter 3, starting, I'm reading from the New Century Version, starting in verse 13. Are there those among you who are truly wise and understanding? Then they should show it by living right and doing good things with a gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you are selfish and have bitter jealousy in your hearts, do not brag. Your bragging is a lie that hides the truth. That kind of wisdom does not come from God, but from the world. It is not spiritual. It is from the devil. Where jealousy and selfishness are, there will be confusion and every kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from, from God or above is, first of all, pure, then peaceful, gentle, and easy to, to please. The wisdom this wisdom is always ready to help those who are in trouble and do good 
for others. It's always fair and honest. People who work for peace in a peaceful way plant a good crop of right living. So once again, he says it like this from verse 14, but if you are selfish and have bitter jealousy in your hearts, do not brag. Do not brag. Your bragging is a lie that hides the truth. That kind of wisdom does not come from God, but from the world. It is not spiritual. It's from the devil. It's a wisdom that's from the devil. Where jealousy and selfishness are, there will be confusion and every kind of evil. Listen to the same verse 14 in the New King James translation. Or let me just go to the New American Standard translation. It says it like this in verse 15. Just go there. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Hmm. It's earthly, natural, and demonic. And so it's possible to have wisdom that is common to people that live on the planet, earthly, sensual, you know, that people gain wisdom, you know, just kind of like good sense. You know, like people have slogans and sayings. It just makes good sense. You know, coming out of the rain, you know, stuff like this. You know, but it's earthly. That means it's natural. It's of the earth. It's of natural man, fallen in condition. And I want you to just remember this last connection here, the word demonic. Once again, verse 15, and I'm going to read it from the New King James now instead of the American Standard Translation, the NKJ, verse 15. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And so he, he combines that with earthly, sensual. Earthly is just of the planet, of the earth, you know, like, and then sensual would be uh, our, our five physical senses. And he says there's a connection to the demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, envy and self-seeking, 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 in other words, being selfish, confusion, and every evil thing are there. And so being selfish, a selfish person, isn't just a lightweight thing anymore. It's demonic, and it could cause every evil thing and confusion to take place. That's not a good thing. And so there is an earthly wisdom. We know this. The devil is going to try to get a foot in the door through our flesh or our carnality. He's going to try anything he can to get us in the flesh. Why? Because that's what he can work with. He needs a flesh and blood body to work with. The Good News translation of those same scriptures that I read, verses 15 and 16, in the middle of that, of that section of scripture, it says this, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It belongs to the world. It is unspiritual and demonic. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there is also disorder and every kind of evil. Every kind of evil? I mean, you must mean lots of different kinds of evil, not every kind. Nope. When it says every kind, it means every kind. Wow. You see, the war is against 
the God of this world or present evil age. We're, we're in warfare with this God of this present evil age. He said, you know, that G, it said, you know, in the Bible that if any of you are wise and understanding, you're to prove it by your good life and your good deeds performed with humility and wisdom. But then if you let these things into your life, these bitterness and jealousy and selfishness and sin against the truth by boasting of our wisdom, you know, just being a regular person, you know, just talking amongst regular natural-minded people and just chopping it up a little bit and talking about, you know, things that you're trying to gain understanding of. I mean, it just seems kind of harmless, doesn't it? But can it lead? You know, Bible says that in the multitude of word, in, in the multitude of words, there is sin. In other words, talking too much and not speaking, you know, um, words that have positive spiritual impact, and or just positive impact. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily just be Bible. There's other sources of of, of things that are positive that we can be saying and talking about rather than you know, talking about people or talking about situations or talking about the latest thing that they're going to try to pull in the government that's so bad off right now. And all this kind of thing, it leads to a lot of different things that could open things up. Listen, listen, listen. There is a spirit world around the band of our atmosphere right now that is like a shark tank full of sharks that are looking to prey upon people. And then there's also good spirits like angels, you know, and cherubim and seraphim out in the heavenlies where God is. But there's a counterpart, too. And demonics, beings, are hell-bent on occupying people. You know, you want to know why? Because they used to occupy animals and uh, pre-Adamic uh, beings that were all killed and destroyed when Lucifer was cast out of heaven and the earth went into the Ice Age, and everything that was living on the planet um, died because of the impact and froze, and it was frozen shut and frozen down and frozen tight when God comes upon the face of the earth in Genesis chapter 1, and he starts speaking over the, over the waters, and the waters are frozen until he starts breaking it up because we have geography, that in world history that tells us that the world was locked down in an ice age. Ice is H2O, it's water. And God comes on the scene and the water is there. And we understand that all of the oil and the fossil fuel, you know, was because of the, the carcasses of the animals and stuff like this that was, was uh, packed down in layers of all kinds of sed sed sediment and stuff like this because of the casting out of Lucifer upon the earth. It moved the earth away from a source of warmth. And so, but at first, you know, the waters that are stored up in the deep, in the core of the earth and, and, and in the atmosphere, I mean, everything covered the earth like in the days of Noah's flood, only there was no buddy that got into an ark. And it just covered everything. And it separated the continents you know, that used to be t attached together. You could see that from geographical studies of a, of a globe or a map. Anyway, long story short, that was a cataclysmic event. And it shook the world 
and destroyed every living thing and released the, the inside, the life forms of the beings that used to walk the planet like dinosaurs and monkeys and, and uh, ape walking you know, close to man. They, they've been looking for the missing link. They'll never find it because when God created man, he started with an original plan in the Garden of Eden, you know, where he was. And so he just took the earth and made it into a, a form that is a match for him. But there was other things and other creatures that looked man-like and they would walk upright just like in the ape family, but there's never going to be a, a direct connection found called the missing link. So what happened to those living beings? What happened to those? They got released. Where'd they go? Into the spirit world. Into the spirit world, like a bunch of debris. Into the spirit world. And so Adam and Eve are in the garden. Adam and Eve sin against God, get expelled. They bow their knee into Lucifer, who became Satan you know, who became their master and to whom you bow your knee into, to him do you become the servant thereof. And so they became the servants of the devil. Just like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil. And he was a liar from the beginning and a murderer. And so they became one in nature with Satan. And so Adam and Eve, the same way, because their first set of of children outside the garden uh, after the fall, one killed the other one. One wiped out the other one, and then he was banished. And so you see the fall of mankind and, and things were created. The devil was behind the murder of Abel. The devil got into the thinking of Cain, and he became jealous and envious, what it says in, in James chapter 3. Jealousy and envy can open the door. That kind of a wisdom is not from above, it's from below. And it opens the door for the spirits to cross over and infiltrate and motivate and inspire somebody or get them to aspire to do some evil. And so we need to understand that not only is the devil um, roaming about, lurking about, as, as part of his characteristics, it says in the book of First Peter, chapter five, verse eight, he's roaming, he's looking, he's on the prowl, for looking, you know, for whom he may devour. Devour doesn't mean to actually cross over from the spirit world and chew somebody to pieces. No, devour means to absorb them unto himself, to absorb and to consume, and to imbibe, and to get them involved with his way of thinking, because he's going to merge with them and get, to, and get the occupation of that person to work for him, to do his bidding, because he can't do anything. The devil doesn't, doesn't have the power and authority of flesh and blood on this planet. Human beings do, and that's why He's so hell-bent on getting some of these fallen beings inside of human beings to do their, their evil bidding upon each other. And so that's why in our modern era, gone over the edge into postmodernism, we're going backwards in primitive activities. We have leaders and statesmen and dignitaries and elite people and and influential people all over the globe that are doing evil things right now 
to, to other people, that are harming other people, not just because they want to get more toys before they die or they you know, want to be the richest man or woman on the face of the earth. Or No, they want control. They're not satisfied without control. You know, money doesn't buy them happiness. Control gives them happiness when they're in control. And what they don't realize is that the control they think they have really can't do anything to extend their life. That when their time is up and it's over, it's over. And they go. And that demon will just find somebody else to go into. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you turn there with me, listen, I, um, I shared a few, I think it was a few weeks ago about that new department that this present administration demonically put together with this female person over it, the disinformation uh, agency that was under the Homeland Security. Well, enough righteous people stood up against it and exposed what this woman was all about and everything that they not only fired her, dismissed her, and they canceled that agency. So we, even though we're living in these times, there's still things that we can do, even though it's going to eventually get overrun, like in the days of Noah, the water level is eventually going to rise because Jesus said it's going to be like this before his return. And so we don't just sit back and twiddle our thumbs. We cancel what we can cancel. We address and we rebuke and we confront and we resist what we can resist. And we keep active because we're going to keep the kingdom expanding. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Amplified Translation says, Among them, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Another translation, the Passion puts it like this. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. Who's that? That's Satan. That's a little word God. He's not a creative God. He's just an overlord God who got the lordship of this planet from Adam when Adam sinned and bowed his knee to him. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. See, they can't help themselves. They're blinded. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the display of light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the divine image of God. They're going to be confronted with a new breed of Christianity, with people that are actually walking more and more in the light of their relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit than they ever have before, because the darkness is getting darker and the light is getting lighter. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Gross darkness is covering the earth and all the peoples of the earth. And that's where we are today in this day and age. And we need to understand what we're up against, what we're up against and who our enemy is. And so I want you to turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll begin reading from verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. The Passion Translation. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. 
Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. You're fighting against the evil strategies. You're not fighting against him. He's already eternally defeated. You're fighting against his evil strategies. Verse 12, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victoriously. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet, alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. And in verses 17 and 18, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede for every form with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. Wow. So, it gives you a few adjectives to describe some of the things we're up against. Starting in verse 12. We call it a hand-to-hand combat. It's not with human beings, but with spirits, with the highest principalities. And we're not battling them per se. We're battling their stratagems. We're battling battling their the moves that they make, the work that they're doing, the things that they put in the way and obstruct by, their lies, lies, and their attempts to kill and destroy and to steal. And so the, these are outlaws. You know, these are renegades. Your hand-to-hand combat, not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides you so that you're protected. Because we're walking in this world. We're not of it, but we're in it. We're not ever going to be of this world. We're in it. They're a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits. And so they are an outshooting or a branch off of Satan, of the devil, of the accuser of the brethren. And so because of this, we need to put on, verse 14, truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. And so truth is the word of God in its completion. You know, the complete counsel of God from cover to cover. Revelation is not necessarily where we stop from Genesis to Revelation, but what God is also continually speaking to us in line with his written word, but his rhema word or his spirit saying word in the now, in the, in the moment that he's giving us 
directly communicated straight into our heart without anything outside that is attempting to edit it. It's coming straight into us if we'll pay attention to what the Spirit of God is saying. And so he's called the Spirit of Truth. And so the Spirit is still speaking, just like he was speaking in the days of old and men recorded it. And we have that in the form of the Bible. So put on truth. What it means by put on, where it says put on and you know this and put on that, it just means simply be aware of it and step into it. Put on truth as a belt and to strengthen you to stand and try and put on holiness. In other words, be aware of it and step into it. Holiness means separate. It means different. It means unique. It means unusual. Put on that aspect of your life as a protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish all the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. It says, in every battle, take faith. You don't just take faith as a weapon, as a shield. You take faith as a lifestyle. And so you're completely wrapped around with his protective power. And embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet, to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty razor-sharp sword, spirit sword of the spoken word of God. And then he goes into saying, by praying. In other words, we, we should pray the word of God out. We should pray, because we're speaking in prayer. When, when, when I use the word prayer, I'm not talking about, you know, a recital, you know, like... Um, like you change from one mode to the other. When you're talking to people, you're talking. But when you're talking to God, you're praying. Um, no, you're just simply talking. You're talking to God. We call it prayer because that's just a religious term that goes along with it. But we are praying to God. We are talking to God. We are speaking with God. And we can speak with God and, and to God about, about the situation, addressing it by what God has already said about it, what God's statements are about it in the, the new or excuse me the uh, the good news translation in verses 10 through 13 it goes like this finally building up your strength in union with the lord and by any means of his mighty power put on all the armor of god all the armor god gives you so that you will be able to stand up against the devil's evil tricks, for we are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world, the rulers, authorities, the cosmic and cosmic powers of this dark age. And so these are beings that are operating in darkness. We need to understand that because that's one of the elements of understanding spiritual warfare, darkness, darkness, darkness. What constitutes darkness? Hmm, I'm glad you asked. Well, in the Bible... There's several things. Ignorance is darkness. Spiritual death is darkness. In other words, not being alive spiritually. You're abiding in darkness, right? Uh, sin is darkness. Spiritual death is darkness. Ignorance is darkness. There's three things that are darkness. Um, disobedience and rebellion against God is darkness, such as meddling with supernatural things that you shouldn't meddle with you know, going to seances and tarot card readings and things like this and trying to communicate with the dead, necromancy, stuff. And God forbids these things. And yet those are areas of darkness. 
And you get the you get the point right now. You know, those are those are areas of darkness that are specific in the Bible that are areas, that are actual areas. Um, lying. That's a form of darkness because the truth brings light into a situation. It illuminates the whole room. And so lying is darkness. So if we participate in lying and sin and fornication and and pornography, you know, and drug addiction and drug taking, these are, you know, even though, you know, it's forbidden, you know, it's like a work of the flesh, you know, pharmakeia, which means to partake of drug, it alters your state of consciousness and you're going to be opened up to a demonic world that you're not going to be able to handle because you're there illicitly because you intruded into their world and God didn't commission you and God actually forbid you to do it on your own like that. But they're all around us all the time, but you're going to have a real acute awareness of them if you delve into their area like that. And so... The demons are chained up in the realm of darkness. They're chained up right now. And you think, well, that can't hurt us then. But we need to look at it carefully. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. They're loosely chained. I'll put it like that, loosely chained. They are chained by actually their environment. In verse 4, it says, God didn't spare the angels when they sinned. And that we're talking about the fallen angels. But cast them into the lowest level of the underworld and committed them to chains of darkness, keeping them there until the day of judgment. And that's still pending. And so it's still that way. He's talking about angels, which are messengers, the word messenger, angels that fell from grace. They got swept down in a, you know, a third of all the population of, of heavenly angels got swept in the tail of the great dragon, Satan, when he was thrown out of heaven. And they have become a tormentor of mankind because they've taken on the persona of the devil himself because they were under him. And so anything that happens with him happens with them. And so when he was perverted and corrupted from the inside out and God had to cast him down, everybody that was under him came down with him. And so not only do we have disembodied uh, spirits from a pre-Adamic age that are under the sway of the devil, but we also have fallen angels that are also interested in having authority and having say-so and having a, a, a bit of clout and influence in the population of man, they're looking to influence and inspire people to the lowest level of degrading, humiliating evil that you could ever come up with. And that's what we're up against in the world we're living in right now because in the world we're living in right now spoken of in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 there's going to be coming a generation that's going to call evil good and good evil we are that generation that Isaiah was talking about in chapter 5 you can look that up on your own and so also in Jude's one chapter Jude 1 6 in the complete Jewish Bible it says like this and the angels that did not keep within their original authority, but abandoned their proper sphere, he has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for the judgment 
of the great day. He is kept in darkness. He's kept in darkness, held in chains of darkness. Now, what I just described to you that is darkness, those constitute the area that these spirits can operate. And that's the only thing that's chaining them. We use the word chain, but get the word chain and the picture of a chain out of your head. Don't make the equation to, to equal that. The chain is the environment that you're limited to. You're limited to the area upon this planet that is an area of darkness where people are doing wrong things. Sin is a very broad, very broad word because a lot of things fall under sin, iniquity and transgression, those three parts of sin. And if you are living in sin, if you are committing sin, you're walking into the darkness. You're availing yourself of the darkness. A lot of people don't know that they're, they're going into places that are dark and maybe they're going clubbing. They're just going clubbing on a Saturday night. Wow, just going to go have some fun. Well, there's a lot of people in there that aren't there for fun. They're, they're there, they're, they're predators. You're there for fun and you're doing things and then you start to get a little bit loosey-goosey with the, you know, with the alcohol or maybe a, a couple of lines of Coke and, and things like this and you're altering your state of consciousness and you're opening yourself up and the people that are, are coming, you know, that want to get busy with each other and do things that are unseemly and that things that are considered sin by God outside of matrimony and acting like, you know, they're doing the, the married thing with each other. That'll just be, you know, saying it politely like that. Guess what? You just opened a portal for those spirits that are in that environment and in that person that you're uniting with and you're merging together with, and you are now giving permission where you don't even know you're giving permission. You just opened it up. In other words, don't you hate it when they send you something that's got about 5,000 pages you got to read to find out the new regulations so you can keep going on with your same account with Facebook and everything, and you don't even want to read it? You don't even want to read it? You just go all the way to the end to push, you know, I agree, I agree, and you don't even know what you got yourself into? Think about it for a second. People are getting into that all the time. You think the witches and the warlocks, you think the seance and the soothsayers and all the stuff that God has condemned in the Bible to do, you think those, that little pocket of minority are the problem on the earth right now for so much evil? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? The decent people that are dumbed down and don't see it and don't understand it, that there even is a spiritual world and there even is really the devil and the demons. I thought that was in movies. I thought that was just in, in, in horror uh, books and, and, and maybe mega you know, books you know, that, you know, that are fanciful, that people are, are pulling up out of their drug-induced imaginations or something. That can't be real. Are you serious right now? Look at the world. How did it get like this? Well, every person, you know, every, everybody wants to believe that every person has a, a, a spark of goodness in them. Of course they do. Of course they do. And every person is susceptible to evil. Every person is susceptible to become a meat puppet for some evil force 
if they don't know that they're in the game already. They don't even have to get out of their house and get in their car and go to the club. They're in that already. And we need to take this seriously and understand that we need to start shutting some of the portals that are open, like our eyes, what we set our eyes upon. David, in the book of Psalms, Psalm, uh, uh, I think it was 101, he said, I will not put any wicked thing before my eyes, lest it cleave unto my soul. No, it's not Psalm 101, it's another one. I'm not going to put any wicked thing in front of my eyes, lest it cleave to my soul. He understood there's some kind of, of an entry point into your, into your soulish area. And then what you do with your body affects your soul. It says that in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9. And so we need to understand that there's a lot of complicity to being a human being in a fallen world, in the midst of demonic beings in the spirit world around the fallen natural world. And yet the simplest thing that we can do, because you don't like the complexity and all the moving parts, the simplest thing that we can do is to come to an awareness of the problem and not be ignorant of it. We don't want to be ignorant of the devil's devices, but then, not that you have to go into a full-blown doctorate-level theological dissertation of demonology and Satanism. No, you don't have time for that. Nobody does. Well, some people might because they're life calling or something. But we need to keep it simple. We need to understand that they're there. We understand that there's a few points that they can contact. I mean, contact is another thing, like touching. Touching, you can drop things off on people by touch, by sound, by speaking to them. You can drop things off. You can plant a seed that goes straight into their soul by what you say, by what they say to you. Oh, yeah. And so that's why... You should be careful what you hear and how you hear it, Jesus said. Be careful what you hear. In other words, be on guard for what you hear. It doesn't, it's not going to be, you know, you're a nervous wreckage. You can't remember all these little things. You know, so much just happens. Just keep it simple. Jesus keeps it very simple. Anything that is not of God, and we know what is of God, don't we? We know a little bit, and we're knowing more and more all the time. Whatever is not of God is not accepted. Whatever is not of God is not agreed with. Whatever is not of God is not participated in. Whatever is not of listen, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Okay. Let's get some more. In Ephesians chapter 6, and in the New Century Version, Verses 10 through 13 say it like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his great power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can fight against the devil's evil tricks. Our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness. There's that word, darkness. Against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. That is why you need to put on God's full armor then on the day of evil, in other words, when evil comes against you, you'll be able to stand strong. And when you have finished the whole fight, you will still be standing. 
And so how do I know what my armor is? How do I, how do I put the full armor of God on? What is the full armor of God comprised of? Well, it's comprised of some wonderful things. We can just kind of do it in brief right now, if you'd like. Some wonderful things. We find it over in, in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. And let's read. In verse 14 on. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. So, put the word truth down. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put righteousness down. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace down. Just put the word peace. Not to put the whole statement. And above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Put faith down. You know, faith is our lifestyle. We live by faith. And you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. Put salvation down. Okay, that's good. And the sword of the Spirit is another piece of armament. And that's an offensive weapon, which is the word of God. And then this next word following, the very first word of verse 18 is praying. And so the word of God that is not just sat on. The Word of God is not just memorized and kept inside, but it's released through prayer. It's released through speaking. It's released through talking. And so what do we have here? What, what are the elements? You know, above all, you know, and everything else. Truth. Righteousness. Okay, truth is the Word of God. Word of God has got to be central to you. Word of God has got to be your final authority in life, how you live your life. Righteousness is what you are. You are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means you have right standing with God. That means your nature and character are different. Okay? Peace is the result of having truth and righteousness in your life. And then faith comes about naturally of living by faith when you got these things that are your, that are your major interests in life already in place. You're living by faith now. Oh. And you're fitted with the helmet of salvation. In other words, your salvation, just knowing that you're saved, knowing that you're God's son, that you're rejoicing in your salvation, like Jesus told his disciples that came back one day after casting out a bunch of demons, and, 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 and he said, you have power to tread upon snakes, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. But in this, he says in the next verse, don't rejoice that the enemy is subject to you in my name. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, your salvation is more important. And so that'll guard your mind. Your head, you know, is, is fitted, you know, with a helmet because of your salvation and you understanding that and keeping that in mind all the time that you are saved, that you are saved, that you belong to God, you are saved. That'll guard your mind as a helmet guards the head. And the last thing, even though the truth and the Word of God are one and the same, but the Word of God, the last thing it says right here, which is the Word of the Spirit, is the Word of God in prayer. The Word of God flowing like a river. The Word of God that he is speaking currently. And what he's speaking currently is not going to contradict what he has spoken 
previously in the said word, but this is the now saying word. This is in the moment coming to you, word of God, in a statement that you're making into the atmosphere, into the environment where these spirits are, to shut them down, to pull the plug on them, and watch them deflate right before your eyes. So, the mirror translation <laughs> has a lot of things to say about the armor of God, which I'm, I'm probably going to save for the next time, you know, because it's a lot of things that go along with it. And so, we need to understand this, and this is a takeaway today. The heart, which includes your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so, especially the mind, that area of your heart is the enemy's number one target. Enemy's number one target. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, reading from the Passion Translation, verses 3 through 6. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle and diffuse, and, or excuse me, dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Verse, behind which people hide. Did you notice that? Behind which people hide. In other words, the talking heads on TV that are running the country and saying all these things in their speeches and stuff, the things that are behind them is what's being addressed here. Effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the Anointed One. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we should stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. In other words, since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion that comes at our mind, that tries to affect our thinking as soon as we choose our complete obedience. In other words, we've got to be in obedience to call down all disobedience. Because anything the devil says when he comes against you, anything he does, anything the circumstances try to speak, trying, are trying to speak to you about that is negative, that is a lie, that you're not accepting, that's disobedient. And so what you would do to rise up and stop that disobedient thought pattern is that you would rebuke it and cast it down and it showed you, and it showed you in here, you have to do the casting down. We dismantle it. We cast it down and even capture every thought. Take it, capture and incarcerate it and lock it up, not to ever be used, not to ever see the light of day. And so we need to demolish, it says in verse 5, every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised in an up in defiance of the true knowledge of God, we capture like a prisoner 
And so we're armed with such dynamic weaponry to do these things. And what is our weaponry? We're doing it from our heart. Our heart is under attack right here. And from our heart, we're using the Word of God, sword of the Spirit. We are using the faith that we live by to protect us like a, you know, like a shield over our heart. We are using the power of our understanding of our salvation, that we have a superior position to God than the enemy does. In other words, we are God's offspring, God's children, and they are God's outcast. And so we can take that angle of approach and bring that attack to a stop, a screeching halt, and to bring peace to our mind. But you understand, we've got to be obedient before we can avenge all disobedience. We've got to be obedient to God's word because can you imagine, can you imagine the respect that a cop would get if he came to the inner city and he tried to make people obey the law when he's breaking the law? When he's breaking the law. He's breaking the law by the way he's treating one of the people that came out of their houses to contest what he was doing there. And he is doing something wrong. He's breaking the law. He's not, he's not treating the person right. And so the neighborhood's going to gather around him, aren't they? And they're going to be emboldened, aren't they? Because he's out of order. He's got a, he's got a badge on. He's got a gun on his head. He's got a baton in his hand. He's, he's uh, threatening all kinds of threats and stuff like this. But the respect level is zero. Zero with those people. And sooner or later, one of them may go back into the house and bring out some armament and go to work. Because what he'd be doing is standing up for the person that the cops got their foot on the neck of that's dying right before the cameras. And nobody's doing anything about it. And somebody could and somebody should, but most likely they didn't know that and didn't want to be the one to do that. But listen, we can only avenge disobedience because the devil will bite your bony finger off if you're pointing it at him and telling him to stop doing something while you're doing just the same thing. I mean, that's a laugh. That's a joke. And that's not going to get any, any, any mileage from Satan. He's not going to listen to that at all. You're barking up the wrong tree, honey. You better go back into your prayer place and talk to God about getting back in line with all of the things that you know you're out of line with so you can go out there with the authority authorized by the author and stop the devil dead in his tracks in whatever he's doing. And so we need to be in the right place in our lives to take on the devil, his demons, that are coming to kill, steal, and destroy, and to take on the oppression of the things that are going on where things are being stolen from people, you know, through our government making decisions, where they're losing their jobs, they're losing, you know, this, and they're losing that. And it seems like nobody can do anything. But we can. We've got to start in the spirit world. That's where it all begins. You start in the spirit, behind the scenes, behind the faces, behind the names, behind the titles, we start right there. We get that straightened out. But first of all, we get our own business straightened out. We get our own business straightened out between us and God. And you know what? 
while we're still here, as long as we're having to experience and go through some things, we can make it like heaven on earth where we are, where our territory is, where our rights are. We can control our environment, and we should. And so thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you for tuning in again for the last episode next week. And I love you all. Until then.